0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef. Pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California. Hearst Ranch Grass-Fed Beef, free-range, sustainably produced, humane. Hearst Ranch Grass-Fed Beef, the authentic flavor of the American West.
1: Okay, this is Greenhorns Radio, and this is Severin. I'm your host. I'm here to welcome you to another episode of Greenhorns Radio, where we will talk about a wonderful project happening here in the Hudson County, a hyperlocal, well, I guess it's an anthropology program uh, project run by Anna and Dinny. and they're both on the line today. Anna, do you want to start by introducing the organization that you work
2: for? Sure. I work for the Hawthorne Valley Farmscape Ecology Program. And we are a small research and outreach program uh, located at Hawkins Valley, which also has a farm component. And uh, we do uh, sort of original research about um, the agricultural landscape, its ecology, history, culture, um, and thinking about it in its sort of past, present, and looking towards the future. And so this farmscape ecology...
1: Is really thinking very holistically about all the relationships um, that make agriculture thrive. And so, you coming with an anthropology background and working with Ginny, uh, also, um, your your approach was to look at the narrative of this young farmer phenomenon that's going on. Do you want to explain um, the overlay of ecology and anthropology, or or what what drove that project, and then?
2: We'll talk to Danielle. Sure. Do sure. I um, well, Sure. Well, I should mention my colleagues are both biologists, and I do come from a social science background. So just as you said, we're trying to integrate um, that holistic understanding of, of the landscape. Um, and this project uh, came from wanting to uh, understand a little bit better the stories of New farmers. Um, we're calling it the New Farmer Narrative Project and uh, trying to understand the journeys people are taking into agriculture um, and sort of from that narrative perspective, hearing their voices. Uh, so that's kind of the, the way that we came into this project. And it, it all we sort of think of it as all weaving together the biological research and the social science research in helping understand um, our, our current landscape. And then, Ginny, you're coming to this project um, as a
1: partner and teammate straight out of your apprenticeship experience at Hawthorne Valley. Do you want to talk about where you came to, how you came to that apprenticeship, and now that you've done the apprenticeship, and now you've been working on this anthropology narrative, uh, where you're going next and how this is shaping your life? Sure. Um, So I...
3: Um, in college, I actually studied um, agriculture and the environment, um, among, among other things, and, um, and then out of college, I didn't really know where I wanted to take that exactly, um, but I sort of happened upon um, farm apprenticing and, and fell in love with farming, and I apprenticed for a couple of years, um, and then um, my second apprenticeship was at Hawthorne Valley, and um, and I met Anna and the other our other colleagues at Farmscape Ecology, and um, and I found um, their research really inspiring, and and I was really excited just being in in the Hudson Valley, which is a pretty vibrant place for young farmers. Um, I was really inspired by sort of the movement I've seen going on while I've been living here, um, and I felt like it. It was something that really needed—those stories should be documented, um, and so that's sort of how I got involved with doing this project with Anna, um, and I'm hoping to, to continue sort of in this vein. Um, in the fall, I'm, I'm going to be at the University of Wisconsin studying agroecology, but I'm working for a program that works for uh, beginning farmers and, and hoping to do some more work with beginning farmers, hopefully um, incorporating storytelling in a, in a similar way. So that's sort of where
1: I'm hoping to take this. I can't hear. Hey, uh, Jack. I don't hear Ginny. Stop talking. talking.
2: Can
3: you can you hear me now, Severin?
1: No. Okay, nothing is lost. Everything we've done so far has been great. Great. I can't hear Ginny.
2: You cannot hear.
1: Hi, hi. Now I hear you, but I don't hear Ginny. Wait, Ginny talked. Can you hear me, Severin? I hear her again. So I'm going to ask the next question. You go that way. I'll go this way. Okay. Um, okay, so there you are. You're in the Hudson Valley. Everyone's excited and thinking holistically and are... Approaching this, pro- this not problem, but this phenomena of these many young farmers and okay. this agricultural landscape with very good attitude. And uh, but tell us firstly, what is the what is the landscape of the Hudson Valley? What is the farming that's going on here? And what kinds of farms are these young and new entry farmers
2: starting here in the Hudson Valley? Well. Our program focuses um, mainly on Columbia County, so that's what I can speak best to um, and we there's a, a, quite a diversity of, of different types of farms um, in Columbia County, over five hundred um, and we have sort of this phenomenon of a lot of new um, smaller farms starting and I, and those are tend to be focused on um, either sort of market vegetables or, or grass-based um, livestock. And uh, so that's a lot of the types of farms that the new farmers that we um, spoke to and, and um, surveyed were, were starting up here. Um, but there's a rich history of, of different types of agriculture going back hundreds of years. So we have um, still a lot of diversity in terms of the types of, of farming in the county.
1: And so you're talking about the new farmer narrative as told by the voices of the new farmers. Um, what, is your, what is your sense, that, what is your sense in, of the kind of current narrative, or what are the narratives that are floating around about the future of farming in the valley? What, are, what is your goal that people will learn when they see the narratives coming right out of the mouth of the new farmers?
2: Well, I think one of the major motivations for the project was to help raise awareness that there are these many different new narratives uh, coming up. And I think that it, it's sort of uh, often people think of agriculture as a vocation in decline. And uh, in this area in the past you know, decade or so, there's really been an increase in new farms. So just being able to... Share that um, through through the voices of people who are starting farms. That story, that farms, um, that people are coming to this um, and starting farms, uh, is a, is part of you know the excitement and, and what we want it to to be able to communicate. Um, what was your other question? <laughs>
1: Well, I think you answered it, and I mean, the, the, the kind of follow-up to that is, and, and something I've experienced, you know, a lot of with Greenhorns is, so there's a phenomena, it's happening, it's, the, it, their data is in, we have numbers, we have, whatever, more than 100 radio interviews here on Greenhorns, we had 5,000 sign-ups through um, our math and through the Greenhorns Network, we have surveyed you know, 1,300 people through National Young Farmers Coalition. We've seen an uptick in the USDA census numbers. The community shows up at events and workshops. Their sign-ups at the beginning farmer and rancher programs are high and rising, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what's next? What do we want to ensure happens that these farmers that you've been speaking to here in Columbia County are able to succeed, what are the themes that you've noticed, um, what are the themes of their struggle, and what have the strategies that they have employed? Maybe, Ginny, you want to hit a couple of those and then sure, add, I'll I'll, jump back in? Sure, I'll, I'll take that one. Um, so we actually we put out a, a
3: survey just of the farmers in this immediate area in Columbia County and surrounding areas um, in addition to doing our, our interviews for the narratives, Um, and some similar things came up about obstacles both in the interviews and the surveys, and and there are things that have come up in in nationwide surveys as well. Um, um, Access to capital and credit and land and um, health insurance was a big thing that came up a lot, Um, and um, here particularly I think the land thing is is really interesting. you know, land is expensive here, as in many other places, um, but particularly, um, you know, that's influenced by um, New York City here. Um, and, but there's, there's um, an organization called the, the Columbia Land Conservancy that, that does work um, in this county that, that facilitates um, landowner and farmer matching. Um, and so that's a, a resource that came up a lot that people were accessing um, but there's still you know, some issues with, with leasing and, and people wanting some more security than, than a lot of times happens with leasing. Um, and, and I think a, a, a theme that came up a lot with, with money um, was the issue of debt, and, um, and people took some different approaches to like how they were thinking about debt, but um, a lot of people were really kind of avoiding it at all costs, which I, I think comes up a lot, um, especially in our generation with all of the student debt and people are really wary of that, um, but they also talked about how it was really hard to get operations going um, when uh, they didn't have access to, to much capital that, you know, to be able to work efficiently and have all the, the right equipment and infrastructure that they needed. That was a big issue for them.
2: If I could just uh, add in there, we wanted to share a few of the actual quotes from our interviews, because uh, hearing those voices um, is part of you know what is so uh, we hope um, kind of powerful about the the uh, project. So I have a quote that is sort of related to what Jenny was talking about, and this is a new farmer, and they said, "I am going into debt for the first time right now because I have this particular picture that I want to get to quickly instead of slowly." Before, as soon as there was a little bit of profit, then that on something incremental growth, and now I'm a little bit ready to hit the ground running more. So that was the example of uh, a new farmer who um, did decide to go into debt, and it was that idea of wanting to um, not be sort of handicapped by um, not being able to start uh, at the the speed that was needed for um, the new farm business.
1: So these are real world these are real world decisions that are being made and taken by individuals here in this valley, and I think it's important to talk a little bit about the kinds of risks like the level of the of the risks that people are taking like. How quickly are people moving in to farming from other careers, and how big are they getting? Um, you know how how fast is this happening?
3: Um, I would say it was it was pretty variable. I mean, we interviewed fourteen farmers and um, or fourteen farms, twenty farmers, and uh, of those, you know, there were some people that were working um, part time or full time doing something else and um, and sort of financing their business in the beginning that way, and so. Um, and so they were doing that for a number of years, um, and other people, even with with student debt and and other things, were were really hitting the ground running, starting full time and um, in farming, and um, and so that was I, there isn't sort of like a a one size fits all uh, approach, I think. Um, but it was really, I think that's a really pertinent issue that that Anna and I saw come up a lot um, is this this sort of um, balance between um, trying to finance your farm. A lot of people were financing through um, through savings that they had from other careers or by working part-time while they're starting their farms, um, and I think that in some cases can, can handicap farmers a little bit with their learning that, um, that they don't necessarily then have the time to have really, um, you know, immersive, like, apprenticeship experiences if they're if they're sort of committed elsewhere. Um, and so I think that's especially difficult with farming because it, it does take so long to, to really um, develop those skills and that, that knowledge base. Um, so that was something we saw come up a lot.
2: And in the survey as well, we found that uh, kind of the majority of, of the people, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Denny, we're not sort of getting their, the majority of their household income from the farm. Um, so there is that issue as well that there are people still um, very much financing through multiple streams, not just the farm. Yeah,
3: that was right. That was I think it, it was um, a little over a third. We're only getting less than 25% of their income from, um, from their farm.
1: It matters what your off-farm job is, it matters if you've been able to uh, wangle your way into a good farmer's education while also having some marketable uh, rural living compatible skills, a skill set that could yield you another income, either a part-time income um, or a partner, a strategic or life partner with those skills and, and income potential in order to uh, build the infrastructure that it takes. And let's maybe talk a little bit more about the infrastructure part because as we look out over the landscape of Columbia County, we see beautiful fields and really wonderful soil and a lot of infrastructure that was built for dairy. Um, how, how does the infrastructure that these new farmers are building differ? Um, and maybe you could describe one, you know, another one of your case studies and talk about you know, what does that mean in
2: terms of the stuff on the ground? Well, I think that um, for a lot of the types of farms, it's, it's less infrastructure um, for sure uh, than than dairy, um, and especially with the, the vegetables. Um, and a lot of people spoke actually about the need to uh, build movable infrastructure because they were on leased land, and a lot of the farmers we talked to were on leased land um, over half. So the idea of having light, movable infrastructure um, that you could take with you if you need it to uh, move to a different piece of land was um, something that came up a lot. And so, if you think of what that means, it, it you know translates into greenhouses or um, other sort of types of. Uh, uh, sort of infrastructure that can be disassembled and taken somewhere else, not necessarily big barns or those sorts of other investments
3: and and I would add also um, in addition to to infrastructure um, we heard a lot from farmers that their their management practices how they were um, treating their soil was really um, was impacted in some way by by the their leasing situation, um, that, you know, the cover crop seed is expensive and, and manure is expensive, and, um, and it was a sort of a strategic decision that, that they would prefer to be managing their land perhaps differently, um, but that their, their long-term security was a factor in how they were dealing with those questions.
2: And just related to what Jenny was saying, um, the size of the land that people had available also was an impact. Sometimes people didn't have the ability to sort of uh, rotate crops, for example, um, you know, in the way that they would have wished because they didn't have you know, sufficient uh, land base to do that on. So these are some of the
1: limitations and liabilities of leasing um and leasing is obviously the usual first step for people who are coming into um entrepreneurship and some people are able to go beyond leasing and find um either uh lending or land trust or combinations of magic uh to get to get to get ownership of their farm and their farm infrastructure But when you are thinking in terms of the outreach that you're going to do around this project and taking it to all the libraries around the county and to um, the public schools and you're screening Greenhorns and you're screening Small Farm Rising and you're really doing a wonderful community grassroots outreach effort to get these stories out, what will be some of the messages that you bring to these agricultural communities of what it's going to take to ensure that not only will these 15 profiled farmers succeed, um, but those who will follow their footsteps and hope to inherit uh, a working agricultural economy uh, here in Columbia County.
2: Well, thank you for bringing up the outreach. I, uh, yes, wanted to follow up and, and mention that we are part of the project is focused on sharing the stories, as you said, through a traveling exhibit um, for the next four or five months. Um, and bringing it into the communities uh, through libraries. Um, and I think that uh, sort of that with that um, goal, we, we're trying to just let kind of people interact with um, new farms, having events at the different libraries in which we bring new farmers in is a big part of that, and have people have that experience of um, kind of understanding behind this seems a little bit of what it takes to start a farm um, and what people are expressing about that experience. Um, I think that there's various types of community support that people mentioned in the interviews that um, is already there um, for sure and other types of support that perhaps needs to be um, pulled in more together or resources that um, new farmers uh, would love to know about um, that was mentioned a lot. Uh, the existence of resources already, but just not knowing how to access them. So those are some of the the kind of supportive elements, and of course, you know, patronizing new and all farms um, in communities um, that people spoke about. Yeah,
3: and I would I would just emphasize that um, that. Like, sort of the, the sense that I got out of this project, and, and just um, in terms of how it made me think about the future of farming in this area, is I mean, there's just a really profound energy around this, and you know, people are um, really excited about farming and, and farming for the rest of their lives, and, and you could tell from, from every interview that this was something that was really like core to the being of, of these people, um, but that there are some really serious. Um, challenges there as well, um, that I think that if, if the community hears these stories, that they'll, they'll see the importance of addressing them as well, and, um, because the, these stories really are very inspiring, and, and I hope that other people see that too,
1: and I think that they, they have and they will. So let's go straight to the nuts and the bolts for those of you who are listening in the WGXT listening area. When can we show up and read these beautiful placards and see the beautiful photos and watch movies and listen to speakers and will there be food?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, let me give you a little bit of an overview of the library um, and other venue uh, sort of tour that the exhibit is going to make. The exhibit is um, sort of a number of panels uh, with the different profiles of the new farmers that we interviewed and um, larger issues uh, and a map of all the new farms that we know about in the area, and it's moving um, between um, libraries. It's right now in Chatham at the Chatham Library, and it'll be there um, until June 2nd. It'll move from there to the Rojan Library, Um, and uh, it is going to kind of continue to to travel um, around... Uh, the area uh, and the sort of full list is perhaps best accessed on our website um, www. hawthornvalleyfarm. org uh, backslash fep and then backslash new farmer. So it's a long web address, but um, that's sort of the overall tour. And then, as uh, Severin mentioned, we'll be having um, these different events at each. Um, and come upcoming, there will be this Saturday at the Chatham Library at 6.30, um, a film showing of the Greenhorns with Severn present, um, and hopefully a, a chance to interact with some of the new farmers in that part of the county. Um, and then that will be followed on Monday, June 4th, um, by a talk that we'll be giving about the project at the Rojan Library in um, Hillsdale area, and that'll be at 7 p.m. And then uh, a couple of weeks down the, the road, in June 18th, uh, there will be a another film showing at the New Lebanon Library, A Small Farm Rising, um, a documentary film about three first-generation farms farmers, um, and that'll be at 7 p.m. Um, and All of the events will hopefully involve uh, the public getting to meet and interact with new farmers from those areas and ask questions um, and hear a little bit about their journeys uh, in their own voice, um, as well as welcoming the event. And there will be varying uh, levels of reception, like food, uh, local food, um, at, uh, at some of the different events we haven't completely figured out, all of those details.
1: Now, I know that we're getting to the end of our half-hour period here, but why did you choose to do it with libraries? And what is the what is the anthropology reason or the community reason for you to choose this hyper-local format and these institutions that don't necessarily get super amounts of traffic um, to put this word out?
2: Well, this is a great question. Um, we, we're trying to find uh, sort of central public neutral locations that uh, people uh, could, you know, that, that have a meaningful role in the community. And libraries really um, are one of those, those places. And they also are a place that, you know, has the ability to, you know, capacity to host an exhibit of this size. Often libraries have exhibits. And then the other reason is that there's a lot of um, a lot of text on in the exhibit, a lot of reading of, of their direct quotes from new farmers, and it's something that you can't necessarily take in all at once. So the idea of having something that people, as they go in and out of the library, can maybe read you know a, a few quotes, read one panel, um, take it in as they you know are kind of moving through their life. We wanted it to be very integrated um, into that flow um, and really reach people who might not normally um, kind of uh, come to something that's more specifically agriculturally focused, um, either as a venue or as an event.
1: So it's beautiful. It's a beautiful project, and you'll meet Anna and Ginny at these events, and then Ginny will go off to graduate school and get a master's degree in... What are you doing your degree in, Jenny? and are you committed for the rest of your life to sustainable agriculture?
3: Um, I, the degree is in agroecology, and I certainly am committed to sustainable agriculture for the rest of my life, and um, I hope to be uh, doing this sort of um, advocacy work around um, new farmers as well as, as being a, a new farmer myself. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that both the practical, as, as well as the um, projects
1: like this, will um, be a part of my life in the future. So as you can hear, things are going very well here in the Hudson Valley, and in Columbia County particularly. We're, we're, the team is growing. There are new advocates, new farmers, new landscapes opening up, and the opportunity is here. We have uh, This is a big country here, America. Oh, there's a lot of land. You've got the willpower. Um, I I can tell you it's a very compelling team you'll be working with. So everyone can go and just Google the new new Farmer Narrative Project, or you find it off of the Hawthorne Valley site. Come along to the events. I'll see you on Friday, June 2nd, at the Chatham Library for a free screening of the Greenhorns, accompanied by these new narratives, which will move all around the county. Okie dokie. Thank you very much, everybody.